Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 33. Stepped out on the front porch this morning and can kind of feel that cool, crisp air. It's it's coming. Um, the fall is almost here. And if you're like me, that just gets you excited. It's like Christmas, you know, Christmas Eve. <laughs> uh, because the fall means, hey, one, football's back on TV, and I love watching football. Uh, two, hunting seasons are coming in. And uh, for some folks, you're already out there, maybe elk hunting or mule deer hunting. And I've started to see that on Instagram. It gets me fired up. Of course, my elk trip is just around the corner. I got, uh, I think, 11 days till I head out. And um, then, of course, as soon as I get back, uh, my, my mind's going to be switching over to uh, deer hunting and uh, kind of getting into the woods. I, I just haven't done a whole lot of prep. I know a lot of guys that do a ton. I'm kind of one of those anymore. I mean, I'm hunting somebody else's property, so I don't have food plots. I don't have anything like that. I just know where I've seen deer before. I know the terrain. I know the area. And so I wait for cold fronts and I get my saddle. Uh, It's something I haven't mentioned in a while being a saddle hunter. I've kind of gotten off that topic, but uh, last year, I uh, picked up the saddle in, uh, it was like late October, so I was learning how to do uh, saddle hunting during the rut, which I would not recommend, um, <laughs> And uh, but hunting from a saddle made me very mobile. I'm really excited to have it the whole season this year and to be able to go different places. I, basically what I do is I wear this saddle and um, I throw a pair of uh, climbing spurs in my backpack and I can pretty much go anywhere I want and hunt any tree that I want to anytime, um, except for public land. Public land, I'd have to use like sticks because you're not allowed to, to pierce the, the bark of the tree. But um, So I'm just excited for that. I, I'm excited to get up in the saddle again. I have got up in it a few times and shot and just made sure I've got myself you know, prepared and that I'm practicing and remember all the stuff that goes with it, safety, checking my knots and all that type of stuff, um, ropes. But super excited for that. And I uh, can't wait. Uh, a lot of guys, though, I know, like for for elk, like they're kind of you know they're excited, but their season uh, is is not till a little bit later, till October. And those are the rifle hunters. And and something that I've I've kind of come to realize is that I definitely, probably even on this podcast, I've had a little bit of a bias. Uh, toward bow hunting, um, toward you know hearing bow hunting stories, I don't go after rifle stories nearly as much, and, and I think that's partly because I just didn't grow up with it. Um, in Ohio, uh, we had shotgun season; you weren't allowed to use rifles up until recently, and even now, you're only allowed to use straight wall cartridge- cartridges. So I, I just never. The only rifle we had was a 22, and that was for coon hunting and groundhogs, and and that's you know that's about all we ever used a rifle for. And so I watch these videos of guys, you know, shooting deer and elk and stuff over 500 yards. Or the other day I watched one shooting over a thousand yards. And it's just, it's just not necessarily my cup of tea, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with it um, at all. I mean, I think if that's what you get excited about and get your heart rate up and you go out and get an animal, it's different than the way I would, I would do it, but that's okay. Um, I think we need to be a little bit more supportive of each other's, and if it's legal, if it's ethical, and it makes you happy, 
go for it. And we need to, you know, cheer each other on. Um, and, and today, I, I mentioned that because today I had a guy on that uh, he does a great job telling some cool stories. What it, what happened was I was on Facebook on this uh, on Elk Addicts, and I saw this picture, and I just it was in the comment section of somebody else's post, and it's this guy. He's out in the snow. He's got his rifle. And he is within about five yards of an elk. And it looks like this giant bull elk is just sitting there bedded and just looking at him. And and so it begged the question, what is the story behind this picture? Because it is incredible. And if you have seen uh, the you know my promotional for this on Instagram or Facebook, you've seen this picture. And so today we're going to have Jack Herrera come on. He's going to tell us a few stories before that and get into that uh, that story. And But the thing I just, you know, going into it, I realized, you know, these are some really good stories and they mean so much to Jack. And Jack loves to hunt with a rifle and good for him. Um, and so he... He has some crazy stories, and uh, you know, like anybody else, he has some misses under his belt, but hasn't been able to to kill a lot of uh, really nice animals. So, I will stop rambling and jump into this interview. I will tell you at the beginning. Um, unfortunately, whenever I do this, sometimes I have to record these over uh, the phone, um, and if I don't hit merge call, which I didn't this time, uh, it will cut off until I remember. And so I'm going to miss just the beginning of this a little bit with Jack, um, but he'll jump right back in and I'll give another little introduction. So it'll be just fine. But anyway, a little bit shorter of a podcast today. Uh, I think we only talked for 20 minutes. I hope that you enjoy this one. Uh, Here is Jack Herrera on Hunting Elk. Now in my older age, I just decided that if he's not 180 or 30 inches or what I call a wow factor buck, something you know, something unique about him, I just won't pull the trigger. Like uh, last year in Colorado, I passed 100 bucks, and the second to last day, I shot a 184 and change. You know, oh so wow, it was worth it. You know, it was worth uh, it's worth being patient. And uh, the year before, I passed, didn't pull the trigger. And the year before, I shot a 32-inch 4 by 3 just a dandy, what I call a wow factor buck, you know. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, last year, I took my 14-year-old daughter, and uh, she boomed her little five-point bull out in the western slope there. So, it's fun. This year, my uh, she was 13 yesterday. This year, she's going to be 14. She has a deer and an elk tag, and she's stoked. I have uh, six daughters, and only one of them hunts and fishes. So, thank goodness for that. Yeah, I, I want to hear that story. Um, we had a little bit. I, I actually, Jack, I forgot to hit the record button, so we're going to kind of <laughs> going back. Uh, for, I'll just go ahead and start from this point. If, if, if I didn't say this in the intro, I got Jack Carrera on the line from Club California, been hunting for a long time, and uh, so Jack, let's let's jump into that story. How did how did you and your daughter uh, have that success that you had there last year? Well, I've been hunting uh, private property and landlocked uh, public land for. 35 years there in Colorado, and basically the rancher is just, you know, it's kind of like family and friend, you know, just, you know, you're the last person that'll ever hunt this ranch because of all the gas well activity and stuff like that. So we've taken several nice bucks over the years off there over the decades in that area. Uh, but uh, last year was my daughter's first year of eligibility to go hunting, so I took her, and uh, she didn't draw a deer tag, but we could buy an over-the-counter elk. And uh, mm-hmm. we ended up getting her a nice little five point bull, you know, what I call like a meat bull or something. So yeah, did you? Now was that with a rifle? Oh yeah, we all shoot two fifty seven Weatherby's. We've all sized down in our old age, and uh, I got my <laughs> daughter sized in. And you know, I'm just totally addicted to that two fifty seven. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It'll so do anything. Th- 
So with rifle hunting, uh, are you guys doing uh, kind of the areas that you're going into? You know, sometimes people are going into the thick timber. Some of them are going to more open areas. What's mm-hmm. what's the terrain like, and um, you know how is how is she able to uh, get that done? It's 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 pinions and uh, and uh, pasture, and of course you know the elk are grazers. They like to uh, they like to come feed out in the pasture with the cows. You know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, but the, you know the nicer bulls, they always you see them leaving at dark. You know, uh, but uh, they're there. And and then uh, I always like to hunt the third season. I'm not a, a hot weather hunter. Never have been. Mm-hmm. I prefer snow and the colder, the better for me. And, uh, of course, the rut starts kicking in, and that gives us a big advantage, you know, if you're patient, you know. so Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that seemed to work out better for me, you know, passing on animals now, you know. So. Awesome. Well, uh, like I said, we kind of missed the beginning part of the podcast. Uh, just me, I forgot to hit record, but you talked about growing up, starting off with a BB gun, and then eventually you oh, kind of yeah. went into Colorado and, and started hunting muleys. Um how were you able to get that that very first uh, muley down? Just walking, just walking, taking <laughs> off walking. You know, you're 21. You don't, you know, we didn't carry water and binoculars back then. In '78, you know, we just were all scoping through our scopes. You know, our red fields back in the day, and just covering miles and, and basically jump shooting. And you know, like we used to do jackrabbits out here. You know, okay. and, as you, and as you get older and optics get better, you get smarter. You know, you 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 realize your eyes will. I'll do a better job for you than your legs, you know. So yeah, so that's awesome. Any any uh, memorable hunts that just kind of stand out to you, like maybe something unique happened or uh, something just kind of pops off to you as just one of those hunts that, that you'll never forget. Well, I've been blessed. Uh, I've had a few of those. One of them is uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Salt Lake uh, Shot Show that they have the big auction of all those tags. Oh no. In February, uh, Salt Lake puts this big old uh, show on with all the, uh, you know, the Muley Crazy and Mossback and all those type of guys. Guides and outfitters from all over the West are there. And they raffle off tags, $5 per tag. They'll have premium mule deer hunts and elk hunts. So I went the first year. Of course, I buy just, I'm not interested in sheep or antelope or anything. So I just buy the mule deer and the elk tags and even muzzleloader. So uh never shot a muzzleloader in my life. Sure enough, <laughs> I win the muzzleloader tag for the book. <laughs> now I'm on a I'm in the book list on a five dollar hunt and end up shooting a two hundred and one inch gross uh, mule deer, which was spectacular. And uh, believe it or not, the big one got away. Oh wow, <laughs> that was the second yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> so going going into that hunt, what was your? Are you looking at? You know, I'm just, I'm just interested. I don't. I've never hunted muley, so are you just looking at maps? Or are you just kind of picking out an area that? Um, you know, that maybe they gave to you, or how how does that all work? Well, I ended up going into the, well, I had to go there, but it had turned out my nephew had hunted with some uh, locals there uh, uh, and uh, outfitted, so I ended up going with them, and, and that was a blessing. Those guys run hounds and dogs there. You know, that's their backyard at a green river. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, you know, that's the best people you can have is the ones that live there, right? So yeah. uh, raised in the hills. So yeah. that's how that worked out. You know. That's awesome. Well, tell us, tell us how you did it. Like, what was the hunt like? And you know, I mean, was it kind of hilly terrain? Were you walking a lot, or was it just kind of they took you out to a spot it, and it out, was, out it was, comes it a was, buck? It was spot and stock, and we were on mules, you know. And, and oh, okay, uh, and uh, we would just go from from uh, basically drainage to drainage and start glassing and, and just passing on bucks. There was a lot, a lot of bucks there. You know, it was. Uh, if anyone ever draws that, you know, it's it's a fun hunt. You know, so. Uh, 
but it's, it's a premium hunt now. So oh, okay. But you know, you see a lot, a lot of game, you know, and uh, but to get them big ones, folks, you have to be you have to be willing to pass. You know? Yeah, and I know it's hard to do. It's hard to yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think if you've shot a few like you have, it might be a little bit. I don't know if it's easier, but I mean, you're, you've you've shot a few, so you've you've got it under your belt. I I've been yeah. kicking around this year. I'm going to this. It's a draw unit. I saved up preference points. Got into a draw unit, but still, I have yet to. I mean, I've I've seen elk for a split second on my 2016 hunt, so I'm I'm kind of if it's a legal bull, uh-huh. I might pa- I might pass on a cow, but okay. a legal bull I'm probably going to take. I you know I just don't know that I can pass with a bow at least at this stage in the game. Right, right, and you know especially if you don't have one. And now you know if it's not 340, I'm not pulling the trigger. You know I yeah. have a walls full of those types of animals, you know, so uh, I would rather, and and getting back to Colorado, I've probably taken uh, a dozen friends and family's kids, and they've got their Hmm. first box of bulls, you know what I mean, so, you know, and that, and I get just as excited for them as anything, you know, as me, you know, so, yeah, uh, it's fun taking a 13, 14 year old kid out there and getting their first game animal or large game animal like that, so. Yeah, absolutely. Those are real positive memories. Well, I, I want to get to the picture. Um, anybody that's seen, listening to this podcast, you may have seen the picture first. Uh, this was posted. Somebody posted a just, hey, share your unique picture, and you you shared this picture. And we were talking about it before I forgot to hit record and then hit record. But <laughs> uh, this picture is of you approaching this bull elk that looks like it's just laying there ready for you to come up and pet it. So, Jack, tell us, how, tell us that story. How did you get to that point where there's this elk laying there? What's What went down? How did that happen? Let me tell you, let's start at the beginning. That's a late season elk hunt out of uh, the Nephi area in Utah. And uh, don't know anything about it. I'm just going to go blind. Me and a retired friend of mine uh, just said, you know, uh, I did a week in Colorado and didn't see anything I wanted to to shoot. So I headed down to catch uh, the last five days of this hunt. And... uh, and I got to talking to people in the gas station or whatever, and, and it's really, really steep, nasty country. And uh, I, I want to say one hill, but it is one hill, you know. It almost looks like it. And I'm talking to them, and I'm talking to the locals, and, of course, I've talked on uh, uh, Monster Muley's, some guys that go, oh, you, j- you just go to the highway, and you start glassing up in the hills. And, uh, and uh, if you find a bull, it's a migratory where they come this way. He goes, then you go after it. So sure enough, we pull on the side of the road and we stick our glass out and we're looking for about 20 minutes. My buddy goes, hey, there's three bulls over there. Boom, sure enough, we pull, pull uh, uh, look at these bulls and uh, and that was the nicer one of the three. We figured they're like two and a half, three miles away. No sooner than that, the sheriff uh, pulls over. What are you boys doing? We're looking at some elk. Oh, okay. And he's looking and... Uh, and he says, yeah, yeah, they're okay, but, if, you know, if you're patient, you can get something bigger. I said, okay, and he takes off. Five minutes later, here comes the game warden. What are you boys doing? I said, we're looking at some elk. He said, yeah. I said, I said, how far do you think they are? He goes, ah, that's about three miles. I said, yeah, that'd be hard to get to. He goes, oh, no, drive up this road, and you just go over the hill. You're going to walk right on top of them, you know. So, <laughs> well, so I drove up the hill, drove up the road, and headed over the hill, and, of course, it's evening, and uh, – Took a couple shots at him with uh, at 700 yards, and uh, that's a pope. 
It is, and I'm I'm shooting one of the first Huskimos at the time. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I says they're not rattled, you know, and and I can't tell why I'm hitting, you know. So I stopped, and then uh, two days go by, and we jump them again. Now they're like 475 yards, and it's being videotaped. I actually have that videotape. Uh, that oh, yeah. And I take a shot, and you just see dust come off the horn. And uh, you didn't see it at the time, but you can see it on the video. And uh, I took two shots at them, and, and, uh, and they took off. And I says, something's wrong with my gun. And there's no way that I should be missing this, you know, even – you know, when I seen that, I even lowered it for a Texas hard shot and couldn't get him. So I switched <laughs> so switch guns, and I get put my two – now I have this brand-new two fifty seven that's never killed anything, right? And uh, the next day, sure they are. There they are, 330 yards on the side, and the, the biggest one walks out second. And uh, they're talking about me and my buddy, should we get closer or whatever? And I'm saying, i kill him right here at 330 yards. Boom, and I just whapped him. And he starts heading downhill. Couldn't see him in the timber. So we start walking up, and uh, sure enough, there he is. That's where the picture is. He was mortally shot, and you can't see any blood there or anything, but he was wedged into that log behind there. Mm. That's why I got so close, and that picture was taken. I didn't even know about it. But, I mean, to look at him with the way his ears are and everything, you'd think he was just alive, and I jumped him. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Was, you know, so uh, so you go up and put the the finishing touches on it, and there right. it is. And guess what? On his right antler, it has two bullet holes. So I hit him at oh seven hundred and something yards in the horn, and I hit him at uh, five hundred yards in the horn. Oh my goodness! Wow! <laughs> Thank God the handler didn't blow uh, blow off of. So. Yeah, and that's a big bull. <laughs> that's a nice bull. He's a dandy, you know. So oh, wow, that's an incredible story. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it is an incredible picture. I think just your buddy having uh, whoever took the picture pulling up and taking that that picture just as you approached. That's pretty cool. So. That is that is you know so uh, that was awesome. Well, Jack, any other stories come up? That was the main one I wanted to talk to you about. But I've sh- I've seen some other pictures of bulls and muleys. Any other uh, uh, you know other stories that kind of jump off the the memory for you? One of them was funny. I was hunting with a guy named Johnny Castner, outfitted late season ten Arizona. The first time I. Uh, I uh, went to Arizona, and uh, we're not seeing much. And he's he's he has me. They had located a bull before hunt season. We keep pounding this area, pounding this area, and uh, nothing. So I kind of walk off the hill and walk back to the top of the hill and start glassing behind us, kind of where there's people camped. And I says, "Hey, there's two bulls right there." And he turns around. He looks. He goes, "That's him." So we drive up, get within about a mile of him, start walking in, and there he is, 507 yards, uh, standing mm-hmm. broadside. And uh, and he says, uh, "Let's put him to sl- let's let's put him to sleep. We'll kill him in the morning." And they're right above these campgrounds. And when I say right above, I mean like within a quarter mile, not campgrounds, but where people are camped and hunting. You know, so uh, it was in the Boquillas, if anyone's familiar with that area. Mm. Out of Seligman. So uh, I says, I think I can kill him right here. He says, what? I says, yeah, I think I can kill him right here. And bear in mind, this is before long-range shooting. And mm-hmm. uh, so I shoot. I take my time. It took me about a minute and a half off uh, shooting sticks to get comfortable. And I shoot, and I hear 
whap. And he says, you missed him. I says, that was a meat shot. He says, you missed him. I seen the dust clear up. Then I got rattled, and I jacked the shell out, and and then jacked another one in, and he goes, bull down. I said, what? (laughs) He goes, that is the damnedest thing I ever saw in my life. He sat on his haunches like a dog, and he flipped right over on his back. Oh, wow. <laughs> punched his heart. Almost missed and punched his heart out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's it funny. Sometimes you watch those videos, and it looks like a miss, but, I mean, it was, it's yeah. like that on shot. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, i never seen anyone make a shot like that. I said, well, I never made one like that anyway. So. That's great. That's a, yeah. Oh, good. <clears throat> well, I'm excited to head out there, and I'm sure you are too. So you, you kind of what, what state are you going to? I'm going to Colorado, so going okay. to Colorado, uh, kind of the Gunnison area. I won't get specifics, oh, yeah. you know, but I, somewhere around in there. Yeah, you're and, going to me. I'm in. I'm in the 42 out of a rifle and silk. I'll be there. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, good luck to you this this coming season. I'd love to hear some of those stories, and I hope I hope you get super close to one again. You know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just make sure whoever is behind you has the video camera and the camera yeah. rolling. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, Jack, thanks so much for coming on and sharing those stories with us. I do appreciate your time, and I uh, wish you a good good luck this upcoming season. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. And there you go. Now you know the story behind how Jack got that close to that elk. Apparently it had already been shot and was stuck there, but, man, it doesn't look like it. It just looks like it's a, a pet elk just kind of sitting there hanging out. But uh, I enjoyed talking to Jack, enjoyed hearing some of his different stories and just his excitement for what he's been able to do. Uh, as I re-listened to that, I, I did realize, you know, we're kind of at different spots um, as hunters. Uh, Jack has been able to be very successful and um, been able to get on some big animals and he passes a lot of animals that I would just probably dream of, of shooting. And, and I think that's where sometimes we have rifts as hunters. Um, especially whenever you get on Facebook, there's guys that'll pass on these bucks that other guys, you know, they, they dream of hunting and you have these guys like, well, you can't eat the horns. And you have these other guys saying, well, you got to let them, you got to pass them if you want them to grow. And, and it just turns into this big argument and it's all based off of what you grew up doing or what you've been educated on. And I know, you know, QDMA with whitetails plays a big part in that. And there's, there's obviously there's, there's good things to managing deer and managing elk or whatever. But I think in this day and age, you know, hunting is under attack um, from a lot of politicians. There's a lot of people kind of going after that. And I think we've just kind of, if it's legal, if it's ethical, um, I think we've got to support each other. So if, if some guy wants to hold out for a giant elk or a giant uh, whitetail, you know what that means? There's a lot smaller ones there for me, <laughs> right? And if I decide that I'm going to shoot uh, something small, well, that means that the the older, mature bulls will have another year to mature. Uh, that's that's kind of how I look at it. You might look at it differently. Um, maybe you call me soft on on that. I but I I just think we just need to learn to you know play nice on the playground. I look at Philippians two, verse four. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interest of others. And so kind of what that verse is getting at is it's so easy for us just to kind of focus in on ourselves, focus in on what we want. Uh, That happens all the time, like in churches, if you've ever been a part of a church, 
you know, people say, oh, I don't go to church, a bunch of hypocrites there, you know, whatever. Well, let me let me just tell you something. There's no perfect church, and if you went to that church, you would mess it up because you're not perfect. <laughs> and I would mess it up because I'm not perfect. So churches is not, it's not meant to be a place of, of all that. But sometimes in churches what happens is there are these fights, there are things, unfortunately, that shouldn't happen that do, where people get so concerned with what they want. They want new music, or they want old music, or they want uh, a church with cup holders, or they want, they want a church with light and smokes, or they want a church with a preacher that does a, you know speaks a certain way. You know, we, we get so caught up in our preferences, and this happens all the time, maybe at your work or at your job, or even in marriages that creeps in where, you know, you kind of get a little selfish on about what you want. And um, this verse is just going to tell us we need to look at the interests of others, not just ourselves. And the reason that it gives is right after that, it's going to talk about, if you want to read this, go to Philippians 2, verse 5. But it's going to talk about the fact that Jesus leaves heaven. He, like, drops his, his, his role in heaven and comes down here and becomes human, like us, and lives like us, and he gives up all of that, and then he even submits to dying on a cross whenever he didn't have to. Um, that right there is selflessness, and that's what it's telling us to be like, to be selfless. And maybe it's not, you know, I wouldn't do things the same way as you, and this goes back to the hunting thing like we talked about, but I still need to respect you. I still need to, um, you know, maybe even just be interested, learn from it. You know, I learned some things from Jack today, being a rifle hunter that, you know, uh, I didn't know and some things that I can grow in. So just some thoughts for you to consider. Hope that you aren't closed-minded on just your way of doing things. Open your, your eyes up just a little bit it to some other horizons and, and you might be able to see some more so just a couple thoughts all right guys gonna go ahead and wrap it up a short one today uh, once again if you enjoyed it go ahead hit subscribe and if you want to leave a review that's always helpful and once again i'm always looking for stories so i'm out there kind of fishing around trying to see uh, people that, that want to come on the show i have to convince them that i'm not a scam and uh, <laughs> it's always fun some of the conversations i have but uh, if you're listening to this, uh, then just go ahead and send me, uh, if you have a story, send me an email over at sheddinglightod at gmail.com and, and just help save me some work. You know, I just love it when people reach out to me and they want to tell me their stories. It makes it so much easier. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, it really encourages me. Pray that you have a great day and remember to shed the light. <laughs>